Hello and welcome to the ETOF21 Sports Podcast for March 6th. How is everyone doing today? My name is Eric. I'm the man behind ETOF21 Sports. You can find my work at ETOF21 Sports on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And for the fantasy football and daily sports takes at ETOF21 Sports underscore fantasy on Instagram. How's everyone doing? Can we believe it's March? March Madness is here. And it's crazy Like when you think about it. Last year at this time, everything shut down. And it seems like forever ago. I was getting ready to go to Las Vegas, actually. I watched a Pac-12 conference game. It was a Wednesday. We were supposed to leave the following Thursday. And that Wednesday, my little crew, we decided, hey, you know, we're not going to go. And then this year, we're supposed to be there and same thing. So hopefully, you know, I can get back to... Las Vegas soon. I very God. I fucking miss Vegas. I haven't been to Vegas in a cup of tea, man. I I have not been to Vegas since Wild Card Weekend. Man, that is a long ass time. And I love Vegas. Vegas is great. And the thing about Vegas that I love is just watching the people lose bets when they really aren't losing bets. Like the people overreact to the craziest motherfucking shit, and it's so fucking funny to me how these people overreact to a play in the first half, first quarter, whatever. Oh, I lost the bet because of this. I lost the bet because of this whistle. It's like, dude, it's the first half. It's it's crazy to me. It's crazy. It's one of the underrated things. And that right there is why I really don't like watching sports with people. Anyone that knows me, my girlfriend thinks I'm crazy. When I watch sports, I don't have the sound on because I want to watch it. I want to take it in. I want to take notes. I want to understand what's going on so that way I can talk to you guys about what is happening on the court, field, track, whatever. <laughs> whatever we are fucking talking about. But yeah, I'm going to be missing Vegas this year, which is a little sad. All-Star break is this weekend. Thank you to my boy, Gino Bacala, who's allowed me to come on his podcast every Thursday and talk NBA. Crazy. It just seems like the Jazz Thunder game was canceled, like I said, last year. But so far for the first half, NBA has been pretty solid. It's been a good product. I really like what I'm seeing. And it's crazy. Like last year, the NBA All-Star Game was here in Chicago. And because of the guys I grew up with playing ball with, I took part in the festivities. Not really the festivities, excuse me, but got to go to the event, got to go to All-Star Weekend, the whole nine yards, after parties, pre-parties, everything I was there. Stuck out like a sore thumb because anyone that knows me knows I am not the fucking club type. I'm there, just kind of bobbing my head. I really don't know what to do. Everyone has their fancy drinks. I have a Miller Lite. I order a Miller Lite. People like roll their eyes at me. Had all these girls coming up at me. Some of them were some of the hottest chicks I've ever seen in my life. Asking me, oh, did you play in the NBA too? And when I said no, immediately turn around and walk away. One of them I actually said yes to, talked to for a little bit, but then her girl came up and told her that I didn't play in the NBA, immediately turned around and walked away. My big takeaway from All-Star Weekend last year was take the amount of women that you think hit on an NBA player, multiply it by 200, and that's the actual number of women that hit on an NBA player. Because I had girls coming up to me all night, and I was nowhere near any one of those guys' level in terms of playing in the NBA, as you guys know. And it, it was just crazy. It, it it blew my mind. I've heard stories from my boys, but 
until I've experienced that, I couldn't fathom it, if that makes sense. The big news this week, obviously, NBA, and I touched on it with Gino, was the Atlanta Hawks firing Lloyd Pierce. Pierce came in, and he put a big emphasis on defense. He's a big defensive guy. They drafted Trey Young. They did well his first year there, but his second year, John Collins had the PED issue where he was suspended for 25 games. Team vastly underperformed because what they do, John Collins is a big part of. And then coming to this year, Pierce was really preaching to Trey Young, hey, this is what we need to do. This is what I need from you. I need defense. I need the team involved. And he laid it out for him. And we get to the all-star break. And I really feel since Trey tried to do it Lloyd Pierce's way and get everyone involved and play defense and him not making an all-star game when it's in Atlanta where the Hawks play, Trey was upset. He went to management and he got Lloyd Pierce fired. And when you look at the season... And the pieces that the Hawks brought in and already have, they were missing so many. It is so unfair that Lloyd Pierce got fired because of Trey Young. DeAndre Hunter, 16 games missed. Chris Dunn hasn't played one this year, missed all 36 games. Bogdanovich missed 25 games. Rondo's missed 16. Cam Reddish, 10. Gallinari, 12. Clint Capella, 4. So they've never had a full roster of what this team was built together to do. And that is why the Hawks have struggled. And let's face it, Trey Young, he comes into the league, he starts jacking up threes. And Pierce tried to get him to buy into the system. So he allowed Young to jack up those three-pointers. Now, if Young would have gone to a different coach, Thibodeau, Spolstra, Kerr, Pop, whoever, do you really think that they would have allowed Young to come in and start jacking up those motherfucking threes? No. Hell no. Hell no. Young was put in a great spot. But because he is a selfish, a me-first guy and only looks at his stats, Atlanta's not going to be winning anything. And that's fact. Already reports have come out that him and John Collins have gotten into it. Collins was like, in the film session, hey, we need to move the ball. We don't need to have the ball stay standstill in Young's hands. And those two got in a fight. And the Hawks, who John Collins is a good player, a valuable asset in the league they didn't extend, which is mind-blowing to me. John Collins is the type of player that could work with a Trey Young if Young actually shared the ball. But Young selfishly won't share the ball. And the same thing that happened in Oklahoma is happening here. You have a team with talented team that should be in the playoffs, and it's not going to be in the playoffs. And Trey needs to take a serious look in the mirror because with how he plays basketball, you need so many defensive guys around him just to compete. Not to win at all, just to compete for a playoff spot. And Trey needs to take a serious look in the mirror and make some adjustments, kind of like Embiid did. Now, I'm not completely sold on what Joel Embiid has done, and he needs to do it for a whole year when there's distress. But credit where credit is due. The stuff that I've been on Embiid for, the in shape, the decision-making, throwing people under the bus, that has changed for a half season, but everything has gone his way. So I will give him credit. But the same thing that Embiid did, Trey needs to do. Serious look in the mirror, make some adjustments. Next thing I want to talk about a little bit is about betting futures. Now, here's the thing where I bet futures, and I've talked about this before, and I sent out one 
NCAA future to my guys. I sent it out. And I was like, hey, guys, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to bet. And we took, I'll say it, I'll share it. We took Arkansas 50 to 1. And I laid it out. You look at their Ken Palm ranking. You look at how they've been playing. And they're going to be a three seed. Maybe a two, but at least a three in the NCAA tournament. And they are priced not like that. So this is a pure play on the numbers. We play on the number. And since the number is so big, we are going to be able to hedge out of it at the right time and take a profit. And that's the difference between pro bettors, which I consider myself because I do do this a lot and I make a good amount of money doing this, do versus recreational bettors. Now, I was on Alabama 12 to 1 to win the SEC regular season. And if they wouldn't have won it, which they did, I had certain games circled where I was going to be able to hedge out of it to lock in the profit. So that's the main thing. Like, I'm not betting this because I think Arkansas is going to win it all because I don't think they're going to win it all. I'm taking a bet on Arkansas because of the number and know that there's going to be a time during the tournament where I'm going to be able to hedge out of it to lock in a profit. And at the end of the day, that is what it's all about. It's about being able to lock in a motherfucking profit and beat the book. And speaking about beating the book, it's always funny to me. You see these guys on Instagram, Twitter, you know, wherever. They get like so insensitive if other guys like win a bet and you lose a bet. I'll say right right now, I could give a rat's ass if you win or lose a bet. If you do, good for you. If you lose because of a bad beat, I'm sorry, you lose, I'm sorry. But that's part of the fucking game. And too many of these bettors, they think it's us against each other. How is it us against each other? It's us together against the book, trying to beat the book, trying to get the best number possible, shopping around for lines. And that is evident with these Missouri Valley Conference unders, which I love playing, which we went, what do you go, five and one yesterday? There was supposed to be eight bets yesterday, all Missouri Valley Conference under, but one game did get canceled. And my sports books, there was like a five point range on them for every game. So that's why it's important to have different books, to be able to shop, to be able to beat the sports book. Beat that guy. Beat the bookie. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to beat you, dude. If you win a bet, dude, props for you, man. I'm all, I'm all for everyone winning bets, but it's the whole thing. Like You need to be able to look at this betting market completely different and understand it's us together trying to beat the bookie, trying to beat bet online, trying to beat FanDuel, DraftKings, Bovada. Heritage, Bookmaker, Vegas, who the fuck ever. That's the way we need to start processing stuff when we're doing these. The next thing I want to dive into is J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt signed a contract two years, $14 million a year, 23 guaranteed. What? Are, are you serious? 23 guaranteed. Is he going to be playing offensive line for the Cardinals? Did I miss it? Is Are they switching positions? This move does absolutely positively nothing to change my opinion of what the Arizona Cardinals are. Nothing at all. They still have massive offensive line issues. And if the one thing that the Super Bowl showed us, which I've said for how long now, guys? If you don't have the dogs up front, meaning the offensive line, it's hard to compete in this league. And when you have a quarterback like Kyle Murray, a complex offensive system like Kingsbury runs, 
You need the dogs. You need the O-linemen. And that's what the Cardinals need to be spending their money on. Not a name in J.J. Watt. And let's face it, what J.J. Watt is right now is a situational pass rusher. That's it. He's a situational third down pass rusher. I thought he was going to go somewhere, try to get a ring. Because that's what everyone assumed. Oh, hey, go here, try to get a ring. But now he goes to Arizona. And let's face it, Arizona, if Russ, which I think he will stay in Seattle, Arizona's the fourth best team in that division. And like I said, hasn't changed my opinion. They're going to be fighting for a wild card spot. You look at Watt over the last, since 2016, injured three games, one and a half sacks. 2017, injured, only played five, zero sacks. 2018, 16 sacks. 2019, four, 2025. So there's obviously been, been a drop in his production, and he's had one good year. In five years. His best year over the last five was 2018. And who was with the Texans in 2018? Oh, yeah, Clowney. Who was getting the double teams? Clowney. Who were teams trying to strategically stop? Clowney. So with J.J. Watt, and don't get me wrong, three-time defensive player of the year, great career, we get caught up in the name recognition. And we try to think of the player that he was and you make him into something he's not at this stage of his career so i would just kind of pump the brakes with the whole jj watt making the cards a legitimate super bowl contender because that's just not it and the same thing's happening in the nba you see all these clipper and laker and nets fans hyping up blake griffin have you watched the pistons play this year blake griffin is a shell of what he used to be and Knee injuries have just caught up to him. He can't dunk. His shooting percentage on on threes is the worst in the NBA. If you play, I think it is over 20 minutes a game with so many attempts. So name recognition, that's what people are realizing with Blake and with J.J. Watt. So I would just kind of pump the brakes. Because like I said, my opinion of the Cardinals hasn't changed. They're the last place team in that division right now until they do something with the offensive line where they're able to do everything in the Kingsbury system and play to where Murray is at his best, rolling out, looking to run, looking to pass RPOs and whatnot. Another NFL player that's been in the news is Russell Wilson. All this, he is purposely, him and his guys are leaking out all this info about how he feels disrespected, how bad Seattle is run, how they're not taking in consideration what he thinks should be done personnel matters Kleinman the NFL quote-unquote expert tweeted out that Wilson looks at himself as a top five quarterback of all time and that because of how Seattle is ran that he's not even looked at as a top 10 quarterback of all time he said the scheme is holding him down and the issue between him and Carroll is when Carroll gave him control of the offense couldn't maintain the level of success that he had throughout the whole year and that's kind of where the standoff is at he Wilson is saying that his own team doesn't even trust him and that the line isn't good enough to protect him but let me get this straight Wilson is saying that the line isn't protected isn't good enough to protect him and that the scheme is what's holding him back in Seattle that he's not perceived as a top five quarterback of all time which he thinks he is and he wants to go to Chicago like has he seen the Bears play has he seen how fucking poor 
the Bears' offensive line is and how that would actually be a step backwards in terms of talent on the offensive line. Has he seen Matt Nagy's offense? Matt Nagy is the biggest bullshit artist in the NFL, and his offense is so bad it's funny to me that people don't realize that. And the fact, now, don't get me wrong, Trubisky, you know, he's Ryan Tannehill. But the fact that Trubisky was able to win with how shitty Nagy is kind of has to make you look at Trubisky in a little better light because he was able to put up with this idiot of a coach, an idiot of the offense. And this is where Wilson wants to go, really? It's, it that, that thing about going to Chicago, that doesn't make sense. He says... The Saints, fine, I get. Jets, fine, I get. Raiders, fine, I get. But the Bears, really? Come on, dude. What are you talking about, Russ? Come on, Russ. That I didn't get that at all. One former player that played with Russ for 10 years did say, be careful if Carroll does leave. Also important to remember, Sherman was on Russ at the toward the end of his run at Seattle. And Carroll did everything he could to protect Russ. So I don't know. I don't know how this is going to pay out. I really feel that Carroll will do the stuff necessary to smooth the water because there really isn't any better option out there. And they'll do what he can to keep Seattle. Because it's important to remember, Seattle signed Matt Flynn to that huge contract. And they just kind of backed into Wilson in in the sixth round. And Wilson became what he is. But I just don't see him moving him. And if they do, they'll get a knight's ransom for him but i just don't i don't see him moving russell because at the end of the day this is just two egotistical men wanting what's best for the team in their eyes and they're so strong-willed that neither one is giving right now end of the day what's going to happen is they'll both sit down they'll both come to some sort of agreement but the one thing that did kind of stick out to me is at the first half of the year russ was doing a great job of getting dk metcalf engaged at the beginning of the game Then the second half of the year, especially in that playoff game, DK had to throw these fits to get involved, to get the targets. And his targets per game dropped one from the first eight games to the second eight games. So that was kind of interesting to me because I really feel DK is the best young wide receiver in the game and has the potential one day to be the best in the game. And that's a beast that you need to be fucking feeding. And he wasn't doing it as much as he was the first half of the season. So I wonder if there's like some sort of underlining thing going on between between those two guys. But but that's it for what's going on in the week of sports. Now we're getting to what everyone and their aunt has been waiting for. We're going to drive into the NASCAR race this weekend and be laying out people we like people we don't like and bets that we've locked in so now let's welcome brandon from off the post boston sports back to the show brandon welcome to the show buddy how you doing man doing good how about yourself dude no complaints dude sun out rumors of being 50 today in chicago i have no complaints man global warming at its finest right (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah before we jump into our NASCAR talk and we talk about this Las Vegas race, why don't you just tell everyone how your week, weekend of racing went? 
the, the week went well, ended it really well by grabbing that John Hunter Niemer check pick that you put out yesterday. So uh, that was nice to be able to cash in on that. But uh, had some ups and downs this week. Had a uh, had sponsorship and everything that we talked about leading into Road to Pro on iRacing. Um, uh, it was announced Monday that 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 sponsor was actually backing out of iRacing for a while. Had some personal stuff to handle, so I basically was on my own going into Road to Pro on Thursday. Reached out to uh, some setup shops to try and try and grab some sponsorship, which I got lucky and was able to get a Reaper Speed Lab on Instagram and Facebook uh, to jump on board with the truck. They supplied a really fast setup. Didn't have too much time to dial it in because a lot of these guys have been tuning and testing for weeks, and I didn't get to do that until Wednesday, and the race was on Thursday. And uh, we finished a, a bad 23rd, but uh, a lot of learning to learning to adjust and see the type of competition I'm going up against in this road to pro. So just going to have to build on it for uh, two Tuesdays from now or two Thursdays from now. Okay. All right. But, I mean, you got your sponsor and, you know, going to get used to the equipment and make a run though, right, my man? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's depressing at first when you spend a year trying to get involved in this and then a bombshell's dropped on you um, on Monday. And, yeah, we'll rebound. We'll find a way. We'll make it. I know you will, my man. I know you will. Um, we have a interesting race, Las Vegas. First of all, Byron winning Homestead wasn't on high radar at all. What do you take of uh, Byron winning this past weekend in, in Homestead? Uh, very proud of the guy. It's his second win ever. Um, I definitely did not see it coming. And if you would have told me that the three guys locked into the playoffs after three weeks was going to be uh, Byron, McDowell, and uh, who won week two? Your boy, Bell. Bell, yeah, Bell. If you told me those three were going to be the guys locked in after three weeks, um, I probably would have laughed at you and said, I'm not going to listen to anything. <laughs> but it, it's, it's, it's shaping up for a real interesting season. As you know, there's only 16 spots in the playoffs, and if you win, you're in. We're down to 13 already, and you don't see any of the normal names that you see every year. And that's what's going to make it interesting, because like those guys, we faded Bell last week. We went three out of four out of our Bell fades that we talked about on the show, because those guys are in, and this is the time where they're going to experiment, like you said, two tires, right side, left side, fuel, no fuel, and all this stuff. Yep. And he did it. <laughs> And he was up front for a little while at first, and I was like, oh, this is not a good look. This is not what I was expecting. And then he started fading, so I was like, they're exactly what we were looking for. So let's jump right into this. Both of us have had some pretty success betting. Um, let me tell you the first bet that I have locked in. The first bet I locked in is I took um, Amarola, top 10, plus 150. He's starting 28th. The last two times he started um, in the 20s, at Vegas, he's finished top 10. His average position of finishing in his six races at Vegas has, is 12.33. What do you think of that bet I locked in on Almirola? I like it. It's something about him in Vegas. It's a track that he just feels comfortable with, and he runs really well consistently. I know some people would think, well, an average finish of 12 doesn't sound good. Anything in your top 15 is going to be good. So I do like that bet a lot. Now, it's really rare that we're going to see an 8-1 to one on Chase Elliott just because people really like him. I know he's your favorite driver. But 
I really, with the history of what he's done at this track, I believe his average finish is 21st. I Chase didn't make my card, and in DraftKings, I'm going to be looking to fade him. Where do you stand on your boy Elliot this week? Yeah, no, um, as a fan, of course, the bias, bias side is going to say he's due for one, but when you look at the history of this track, you, you look at the lack of practice that they get because they're not able to practice. I thought for sure you might see him running the truck race last night just to get to get on the track like Kyle Busch did, but uh, I'd fade him, uh, and this is one that I hope that I hope I'm along with because I would love to see him get a top five or even be able to pull off a win, but um, yeah, he's eight to one for a reason. To your point, he's normally not that high of odds, so Vegas doesn't even like him. Now, the first bet that I locked in to win is Ryan Blaney at plus 1,100. He's 1,100 on Bovada. He has the highest speed rating on intermediate tracks. Average finish of nine at Las Vegas. And out of his races in Las Vegas, four out of six, he's finished in the top ten. How do you feel about Blaney this week? I love those. I love those odds. Like anytime you get a guy that has an average finish of a top ten and having some of the fastest speed at the mile and a half, you can't not lock in a double digit odd. You can't. So I like him. He's got good equipment. He's got good teammates. Um, I like that pick as well. Uh, the one that's really, really sitting on me right now, and it is his hometown, and he did race last night. Kyle Busch is fourteen to one at Bovada doing this for years and i can't tell you the last time i've seen kyle bush at 14 to 1 i he is a little bit down on my list i like bush in kyle has five wins at intermediate tracks an average finish of 8.23 at intermediate tracks for las vegas he has two top five finishes an average finish of 8.67 and at the sixth highest speed at intermediate tracks overall. So Kyle Bush, I definitely locked in at 14 to 1. And in my DraftKings lineup, I think he's gonna be the one guy that's pretty much I'm gonna lock in every lineup. Yeah, it's hard to go against him. Like I said, it is his home track. He finished second to his brother last year. Um, so I kind of keep an eye on his brother as well. His brother is so hit or miss though. I'd rather put on somebody with more consistency. But uh, once again, these drivers, for all of them, it's something about wanting to win at their home track. That's all they want to do all the time is win at their home track. So I do like Kyle in the DraftKings lineup. He is starting P14. Um, it's going to be hard to get him in the lineup with other consistent drivers since he is 11400 He is the, the highest cost driver in DraftKings. Um, your boy Blaney that you mentioned starting 26th. Huge on DraftKings. I will be glad to throw him in almost every lineup as well. Now, another guy that I'm looking at who's had a great start to the season is Joey Logano. Joey Logano currently on Bovada is plus 750. He has the fourth highest speed average on intermediate tracks, the first highest average speed at Las Vegas, and he has two wins in his six two wins in his last six races. At Las Vegas. I love Logano this week. He's looked uh, great to start the season. I think this is when he finally gets a win. So I'm, along with the other guys I mentioned, he's locked in. and Absolutely lock him in. And right next to him, I'd lock his teammate in who's starting 10th with Brad Keselowski. I think he's won this race. 
I've got Bovada up. I think he's won this race two or three times in the last five five years. Don't hold me to those exact numbers, but I do know he has multiple wins, and it's not over that long of a period of time. In the last six races, he has won. He has won the race once with an average finish of five point three. He has the sixth highest fit. He. He f- averages finishing six with intermediate tracks and five at Las Vegas. I locked him in at plus 800 when odds opened up earlier in the week. He's plus 750. I still like that number, and that's another guy you can definitely throw in your DraftKings lineup. Um, one of the higher price guys on DraftKings and one of the guys that you really don't ever see a 10-to-1 on is Denny Hamlin. Denny Hamlin's last six races, one top five, two top tens. Everything else has been in the top 20 for him. Average finish is 15.67. I know last time here he had some engine trouble. I believe he won a stage two. Hamlin's another guy in the Elliott where I'm just kind of looking to fade him. Yeah, and I think everybody else has that same idea because for whatever reason, they have him starting in P6 on DraftKings. At ninety two hundred, that's low. That, that that's low. I know ninety two hundred doesn't seem low to a lot of people, but he's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. He's about ninth or tenth down on DraftKings list. And I know you probably notice every week these guys flip flop in DraftKings, but most of the time Hamlin is amongst your top four or five every single week on DraftKings. So I would absolutely fade him as well. Now, one of the guys that's kind of been sneaky good, actually two guys that have been sneaky good, are Ryan Newman at 30, average finish 13.8. Chris Buescher, average finish 14.83. Newman with two career top 10s out of the last six races, and Buescher with one. Anything with those guys, you think those guys could, I don't know, maybe get a top 10 or top five, or should we just expect around a top 15 finish like they always produce there? I, I can't trust Newman, but something about Busher. I mean, last week, he led, he led a lot of laps. He ran up front, and usually that car is not a front-running car at these mile-and-a-half tracks. Um, the speed that they showed was very impressive. His driving was very impressive. Um, I absolutely like him, and he's only 6,400 on DraftKings. He's starting p 18 so there's definitely placement differential there that you can grab from him. Um, I expect, I wouldn't be surprised if you did see a top 10 come from him. And then for those that are listening that aren't familiar, when Brandon says P18, Brandon, can you just explain that to him? Yeah, anytime you hear P and then a number, it is position. So P18, P15, that's always going to mean position. Now, let's drop back. One guy I... I don't know why. You know, there's just certain guys in sports you hate. And in NASCAR, I just hate Benedetto. <laughs> I don't know why. I just fucking hate him. I no reason. I'm sure he's a great guy. Some people just rub me the wrong way. Average finish, 15.33. Last six races, two top tens. And he's led 17 laps with his best finish being second. Anything from him you were liking or... Or is he just a fade or stay away? So he's P, he's starting P30. Um, these packages that they're using, it is not going to be easy to pass. Um, 
I like him for points differential. He is 50 to 1 on Bovada, so if you want to throw a small wager on him, it can pay off if he does pull out a win. Um, it's funny you bring his name up because that's another guy that doesn't win races, but the way the season started, I wouldn't be surprised if someone like him does get a win. And we're talking about how there's four spots locked in the playoffs going into next week from almost four different guys that you would never even expect. Um, I'm a big fan of him for DraftKings, starting P30. He is 9,000. That 9,000 is strictly because of where he started. Um, has nothing to do with his driving ability. So um, if you can find a way to get him in your lineup at 9,000, it would be huge because if you if he gets a top 15, then it's already paid off. But at the same time, that's a lot to risk in DraftKings taking that amount of salary and if you are going to slide in a Kyle Busch or a Ryan Blaney or both of them, you're not going to be able to feed in Matty D unless you just go with some bottom feeders that you hope get a good finish. And, I mean, when we speak bottom figures, like, I don't know, your boy LaJoy, average finish, 22, five races, two top 20s. I mean, any, I mean do you think he can sneak out a top 20? Uh, maybe a top 20. I mean, that, that's a possibility. I rather I rather go with somebody like an Eric Jones who started P twenty nine. He's in better equipment. I mean, uh, Corey LaJoy starting thirty third, so you can take Corey LaJoy at sixty three hundred, or uh, where'd he go? Or Eric Jones at seventy one hundred. Jones. And Eric Eric Jones is one hundred twenty five to one on uh, Bovada. Jones average finish twenty one of the six races. He has two top tens and three. Uh, Top 20s. Now we're going to go into, how about Daniel Suarez? Last week we faded Christopher Bell. This week my thing is, oh no, sorry. Let me backtrack. How about Bowman? I took Bowman over Byron at minus 125 odds. That's probably about as steep as I'll go in a head-to-head is minus 125 because anything a little bit higher will break with my ROI point. Bowman, average finish, uh, Las Vegas, 11.67. Intermediate track, 14.15. Fading Byron, you know, like we mentioned earlier, he's coming off a win. Going to be trying different strategies. And historically at Las Vegas, average finish, 22.33. Two top 20s, one top 10. Average finish in an intermediate track, 19.31. And he's got one win, but that one win was last week in Homestead. So I'm really, really looking forward to finish to fading Byron. How do you feel about Bowman over Byron? I love it. Uh, Byron's going to have Byron's going to have that week that we talked about with Christopher. He got his win out of the way. He's going in with no pressure. He'll try different things. It may work. It may not. But I'm all about when it comes to these guys that we don't expect to be consistently good. I expect us to fade them any week that they do get a win the following week. Um, so I do like that bet. I think Bowman's going to have a good day, and I think Byron's going to be be your middle-of-the-road driver. Maybe a top 15, but he's not going to outdo Bowman. And then um, another one that I'm looking is I took Danny Suarez over um, McDowell. Suarez, 21 average finish at both Intermediate and in at Las Vegas. McDowell... He's never finished in the top 20. He's got the, the 30th 
fastest speed figure for Las Vegas, 27th fastest for an intermediate track, and his average finish in both is 29.5. He just hasn't been performing at all in Las Vegas. He's got the win. I think he's going to be trying some crazy stuff just so at the intermediate tracks during the playoffs he can maybe try to like advance to the second stage. How do you feel about that one? I love that pick because here's the thing. Michael McDowell had also had another good run last week. This is not going to be consistent with him. This isn't going to be some ride off into the sunset. He's a top five driver every week. He doesn't have the equipment. It's not there. It's not going to be there. Um, He did pick up a sponsor from the Daytona 500 win, but you could go get in a car today and win the Daytona 500 and you'd have a sponsor tomorrow. Um, So I definitely like that. I think Suarez, he also had a decent run last week. I could easily see him definitely getting a better finish than he has. And you're just going to see Michael McDowell. You're going to see him drop. Now, everyone's pick last week, it seemed, was um, Tyler Reddick. Average finish, 28. Um, at this track in Las Vegas, he's raced it twice. And he own, out of he's only has one top, top 20. I mean, what do you expect of Reddick? I don't know. I was high on him last week. Um, he almost got the win, which was awesome to watch. Um, but he's another guy that he's coming off a good week. He is starting. Where is Reddick starting? Eleventh. Uh, um, if somebody wanted to throw something on him to grab a top ten, I could possibly see that happening. But uh, I don't see anything crazy for him. He is seventy nine hundred in DraftKings which is a great great value for him. But then you get into that position differential, and it's so hard with a guy like that that can easily drop to the back and finish in 27th, and he starts in 11th. You're taking a big risk. I'm not sure what your first thing is that we haven't really talked about it that you look at in DraftKings, but I'm huge when it comes to position differential points. And if a guy is a risk and he's starting, like William Byron starting P2, I'm not touching him. Because if he finishes outside the top 10, you've just wasted 8300 on a driver. And what Brandon's talking about is where you finish. So hypothetically, let's say um, Byron is second. Byron starts second and he finishes 10th, which is a good, it's a good run if you finish 10th, but you sub, it's negative 8. So where you start versus where you finish, there's a point differential. So that's why it's really important when you play these DraftKings con- contests to really look and understand the rankings, to understand the scoring, excuse me. Now, to answer your question, I that if there's a guy that I'm high at that has historically done well at the track that is starting from the rear, that's where I'll start my lineup and kind of build around. If I have a real strong feeling about a guy, I will build around him. So it kind of depends, but looking at the scoring, I kind of want to get at minimum – two and a half to three X return from a driver. Cause that's kind of how I built my head when I make my football model. So I kind of like, that's, I don't know. It's this long drawn out process that I spend way much, way too much time doing <laughs> to make my lineup. I will say this and I will preach about it over and over and over again. When we do start talking DraftKings at short tracks, that is the one time I will absolutely go the opposite direction of what we're talking about. If you have like a, like a Bristol and there's 500 laps, if a guy is starting P1 or P2 or even P3 and I know he's going to be quick and he has a good history at the track, 
I will take the risk on that points dif- or position differential because you also get a point or a, a percentage of a point every time a lap is led and every time you have the fastest lap. Most of the time, your leader at a short track doesn't have traffic. So one, he's going to set fastest laps. And two, you're talking about a 500-lap race. If you get a guy to lead 100 laps right out the gate, you are sitting good. And if he does fade at all, those laps led and those fastest laps are going to make up the difference that you're going to lose in the position differential. And the last thing you want to do is lose a DraftKings lineup by half a point. I mean, I've been there in the NFL Millionaire Maker, and it fucking sucks. So, well, I never got to the Million Maker, but uh, I was sitting at $13,742 to be exact with 90 seconds left in the Ravens-Browns football game this year. And oh. I ended up only pocketing 125 Oh, I mean, that's just, that's just brutal, my man. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the only time I will talk opposite when it comes to guys starting up front. Unless you know that they're just going to get out and lead the race because that's just how good they are at the track. Points differential and laps led is something that really has to be focused on and, and adjusted to depending on the amount of laps and the size of the track. Yeah, but back to your point you were making, that's why it's so important to understand the scoring and make sure you guys read the rules because the last thing that you want to do is not read the rules. It happened to me in MMA. Like, I had these guys, the first time I did MMA, all get early knockdowns. Like, way back when, the MMA scoring, you want guys that would go to decisions. So you got to make sure you guys understand the rules and understand how the track's going to be run. Brandon's exactly right. A place like Bristol, no pa- hardly any passing if you're up front, bonus points for laps led, and fastest um, fastest lap time. You want to take a car toward the front. So you guys just have to understand. Read the rules, understand the rules, understand the scoring, and build it from there. And make sure you also do that with any sport you're not used to betting on when it comes to Bovada or any type of sports book that you use. Because I've made the mistake on betting on soccer, thinking I got to win, but not realizing if they do go into overtime that if you didn't bet the overtime side of it, then you lose because it ends in a draw. <laughs> Even though it says the word draw right next to the bet or tie. I have made that mistake. I have celebrated when USA upset somebody in a, in a penalty kick. Or, or I'm not a big soccer guy, but I, uh, I threw a chunk down on USA. I thought they won. I celebrated as if I won money, went to my account, and realized I did not win anything. And then also it's important to realize that some books will grade a winner differently versus post-expection DQ versus non-post-expection DQ. So, I mean, there's all these rules. You guys got to make sure you understand the rules on your sportsbook because I've been on both sides of it. I have I had a car that finished second. I'm, I think it was Cedric last year. He finished second, and I believe I forget who won the race, but their car failed post-race inspection. So Cedric actually won. So I got credited the win. And then I had one where a guy finished second and the guy failed post um, match inspection. So Cedric, it wasn't Cedric, I forget who the guy was, but he actually won the race. But since it said first result official, my bet was graded a loser, even though technically he won. So you guys just got to make sure you read the fine print, understand the rules, because every sports book has different rules with how they grade wins and losses. 
Um, real quick, looking at these guys, let me just say a couple names and then tell me where you stand on them. Let's just run through these head-to-heads on Bovada really quick. Hamlin, Harvick, we both kind of are against uh, Hamlin here. Harvick's trading at minus 135. High odds, I wouldn't play it. How do you feel about that? Yeah, no, I'm big on Harvick. Uh, big on Harvick, but again, it's minus 135, so you're going to have to put a good chunk on there to get your ROI. But uh, I, if that, that's solid. I would absolutely take Harvick over Hamlin. Um, another one, Harvick against Elliott. I think we're going to fade Elliott again, so I'd have to ride with Harvick. The only thing I would say to people, I am so high on Harvick being able to beat Denny Hamlin that if you were going to flip it to try and make money on both ways or to cover yourself, you could lean Chase. But that's I don't know how you feel about that. That's another risk. I, I struggle when I do head-to-heads on picking the same guy in multiple head-to-heads only because if he fails, you're losing on both ends. How I do it is I will – okay, I took Blaney to win the race at, I think, whatever, 11, 12 to 1. I will not bet him in any head-to-heads. I, Correct. I have him in that. But someone like Byron, last week, Bell, every matchup, I will fade them. So I just want – one exposure to a driver, if that makes sense. I wouldn't. I would never play a guy top ten, top five, and to win. I would just play one of those three. I would never play a guy in a head to head and to win. I would just play one of those two. I'll take what I like the most and I'll put it on that. Um. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I say it correct. I'm I'm with you 100 percent on that. Now this one's kind of interesting to me. This one's screaming Truex. Truex Hamlin, basically a pick. I'm Truex. Truex is one here. Um, he had a strong finish last week. Um, I'm big on Truex. And this was the scenario just talking about. I like Truex over Hamlin. I like Truex over Elliott, but both of them are a pick. So I wouldn't play both. I would do whichever one I like better. I actually like Truex over Elliott more. Where do you stand on that one? Yes, I'm, I'm still going to roll with Truex. I think Harvick and Truex are both known to do well at this track. Um, they both have decent starting positions. Oh, Harvick's got the pole, but uh, starting P1. But, uh, yeah, I, I do like I like Harvick and Truex on both those. Now, you were very high when we did our post, uh, post-show post talk on Larson. Larson Logano, basically a pick. Larson is also currently to win the race. Seven to one. Like, tell me, tell me about Kyle. Like, do you like him to win the race and in that prop against Logano? Um, I I would take him against Logano. So let's start with that. I definitely would take Larson. Um, I do like Larson to win the race. Every single week, he's consistently getting better and better and better. And last week, he was battling up front. Um, I think he ended up with a top five. Thought he also had an opportunity to win the race. I just think he's going to consistently get better on a weekly basis. Um, I absolutely see him in the playoffs. I see him going a good ways in the playoffs. He's going to be there until the end. So I am huge on Lagana, or uh, Larson this week, and I probably will be moving forward for a while. Now we we got two weeks. Sorry, we got two weeks. I think it is from now. They uh, go to Bristol on dirt. The first time they've ever put a NASCAR on dirt. 
And you've got somebody like Larson who spent all last season strictly running dirt. So I remember that talk because he is probably going to be the favorite to win that dirt race. Now, we faded Bell last week with success, hitting three out of four. We have two matchups here. We got uh, Kurt Busch, minus 135. Christopher Bell, plus 105. Austin Dillon, plus 105. Christopher Bell, minus 135. What what about those? Are we fading Bell again? I mean, I'm staying away from him. What what do you think? Yeah, uh, fading him completely, and I'd absolutely take Kurt, who won last year's race here at Las Vegas. I would absolutely bet big on that head to head. Don't even I'm shocked Vegas even has that. Um, to me, that's a if we're going to compare it to a to a sport, that's the Kansas City Chiefs going up against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like that's. I don't know what what Vegas is thinking putting those together. Now, Bubba went in the 23 car um, this year. Not really the results. I'm sure Hamlin and Jordan won, and he's kind of struggled a little bit. He is a pick right now with a driver we're just talking about, Busher. Bubba, 23 average finish here in Vegas out of the six races. Uh, One just one top 10 uh, against uh, Busher head-to-head. Who are you liking that? Busher all the way. It came out this week that Jordan and Hamlin have already had talks about possibly having somebody else in the seat come next season. And the fact that they just started this team, they immediately brought in Bubba, and we're three weeks in, and there's talk of him being completely faded out of a seat come next year. No confidence in, in him. You look at his average finish is that at any track besides possibly a super speedway, and it's it's not there. And he, it, it, I could be completely backwards, and he can want to have something to prove tomorrow. But I, until he starts showing consistency, I can't put money on him. So, so I would leave Busher all the way. They're actually in talks because I, I never heard this. this. Is brand new to me. They're talking about kicking him out of the car. Well, they didn't say – it was weird how they worded it. They were talking about – at first, they are like, well, we're looking at possibly funding a second car or seeing what options we have to fill the seat in the 23. They never said anything wording Bubba Wallace in the seat for next season, which if we read between the lines, it's almost like somebody, whether it was their spokesperson, whether it was exactly Hamlin or Jordan – Somebody said something and completely butchered it to where I guarantee after they said it, they're thinking, why did I even say that? So I, I thought it was a multi-year contract. I could still be wrong about that. It may be, and they plan on ending it early. But uh, the fact that they're even talking about having to try and find an alternative regardless of how they do it, that's not a good look for Bubba. Not good at all. Uh, Cole Custer, Ty Reddick, pick him. Reddick. Uh, Bubba Wallace, Ross Chastain. Pick him. <sighs> Chastain. Uh, my boy, Ricky, Bubba. Ricky. Um, so, I mean, the, the vibe I'm kind of getting from you is like, there's a lot of Bubba Wallace is head to head with these good prices and with his historically poor finish of twenty three. Should we be just looking to fade Bubba in every head to head this week? I'm fading him 
in everything I can that has to do with a race car for a while. He has never shown consistency. He is with Richard Petty Motorsports, which they, they're not always known to have the best stuff. He goes to a new team, not sure where Jordan and Hamlin are getting their equipment from, but I, I haven't seen anything from the guy that's been consistent ever. I mean, there's a reason teams let drivers go, and the fact that he was let go last season, it just happened that Hamlin was starting a team. You do have a guy that has been in NASCAR for multiple years. He does have good sponsorship. He does have a great personality. He's marketable. All of that stuff. Why not throw him in a race car for a year? But there's nothing on track that says good. So let's play. Let's start a rumor. Uh, Austin Cedric to the 23 next year. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I never I never looked at that, but he, Austin could fill that could fill that role. I know Penske's going to try and do what they can to keep him in a Penske car, but there is no car available for him. Brad's not going to go anywhere. Logano's not going anywhere. You have Matty D and the Wood Brothers, but I believe he just signed a one-year extension. Um, and they what's interesting to give you guys a quick, I know we've been do, talking for a while. To give you guys just a quick insight on how this stuff works, Wood Brothers has been a team for years, since 19-whatever, before we were, any of us were even thought of. They Their car is operated, worked on, and everything at Penske. But since they are, quote-unquote, their own team, they have their own shop on Performance Road in Mooresville, North Carolina. And... That it's more of a museum where they have a lot of art, like stuff from past races that you can look at, but they park the car there once it's ready. The truck picks it up from there, goes to the track, it comes back to that museum, gets picked up by another truck and brought over to Penske. So if Matty D doesn't have a second year in his contract, Penske would do what they can to try and get someone like Austin, who's already drives for Penske into the Wood Brothers car, since it truly is a Penske car, but not labeled Penske. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And so when, it, another when you look at the awesome. Xfinity, like, I mean, last year, Cedric was the guy to start the season this year. Cedric's the guy. He definitely needs a ride. And if Bubba's not going to put up, I mean, if I had my... Now, I, you know more about this than me. So is he signed to to Penske, right? Cedric signed to Penske, correct? Yes. So then if he would go to the 21 or the 23, then he would have his choice then? Or is there like just like this little like 21s tied in? Because if I had my choice, I mean, God, I would maybe go to the 23 if I had my choice between the 23 and 21. No, I agree. Um, and it's all going to come down, let's be honest. It's just like football. You see really good good players. Like You see J.J. Watt go to Arizona. Why did he go to Arizona? It's not to win a ring. It's clearly because of the money. And drivers are going to do the same thing because driver longevity, if you're not performing, you're gone. So if there is a risk that you don't perform, why not take the guaranteed upfront money that you can get by signing with like Hamlin and uh, Jordan? compared to the 21 who may not have those type of finances. Okay. All right. So now now we started a rumor. You and I, first once, 
yep. Cedric to the 23 next year. Let's review yeah. Let's review the bets really quick. For me, I got Almarello top 10 uh, at plus 150. I got Blaney, Logano, Kozlowski, Bush playing one of those to win. I am fading McDowell in this head-to-head against Danny Suarez. Fading Byron in any matchup I can. And hell, I'm on it too. I'm fading Bubba in every matchup I can. What do you sit on tomorrow? Yeah, no, I'm with you. With all the head-to-heads, I was going through making my picks while I was on here with you because I usually don't do my head-to-head until I talk to you because that, that little that little person that wants to agree with you as well always helps you in a decision. Um, when it comes to winning the race, I do like your Blaney pick. Um, Kyle Bush guys, jump on him at 14-1. to 1. You, can, you can't. You're, you're not going to see that again for a while. Um, if I had to go with a dark horse, I do like Matty D sitting at 50-1. to 1. And uh, Eric Jones at one twenty-five. Okay, all right. Okay, so we there's the picks, guys. Brandon, uh, two weeks from now is going to have a Twitch race. I will Instagram and tweet out the link. Um, Brandon will Instagram out the link. If you're not following Brandon at Off the Post Boston Sports, make sure you give him a follow. Must follow Brandon. Thanks for coming on. Um, enjoy your puppy, and hopefully Thanks. it's a winning day tomorrow. Yeah, you too, but good luck with everything, and I'll talk I'll talk with you later. Thanks for Brandon for coming on, guys, if you're not following him. Make sure you follow him. Great day of sports, all the Kentucky Derby prep races, Xfinity, NASCAR, UFC fights, college basketball, everything. Be safe and smart with your bets. Let's cash some tickets, and I will be back on Monday. <laughs>